This is Real Presence Live on the RPR Network, bringing you stories of faith and hope through local hosts and guests from across the Upper Midwest. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. We're glad that you're here with us on Real Presence Live. My name is Mike Kitrowski, and I'm here with uh, my co-host, Doug Jillick, and we're broadcasting from southwest North Dakota at Trinity High School in the Diocese of Bismarck. And uh, our next guest, our next guest, uh, Mike Spencer. Good morning, Mike. How are you? Good morning, Mike and Doug. I'm doing great. Thank you for having me on. Yes. Uh, well, let's just get right into this, Mike. You, you have a lot to say about pro-life and what's going on in, in, uh, up in Minot, North Dakota, a workshop going on on June 9th. And uh, uh, you have a great story to tell about how you went from a pastor to full-time and pro-life work. And so just tell us about yourself. Sure. Well, at first, I'm looking forward to my return to Minot um, and partnering with the Dakota Hope Clinic and bringing um, two events to um, your community. One is the Life Defenders Workshop. That'll be in the evening from 630 to 830 at the Moose Club, located 409th Street um, there in Minot. And then Earlier in the day, um, I'll be addressing pastors as well as elders, deacons, and their spouses, and that will be at the St. Mark's Lutheran Church from uh, 12 o'clock till 1.30, and that's located at 2209 Fourth Avenue Northwest, also there in Minot. But, so I'm, uh, I am a pastor. I'm not actively pastoring now. I pastored for 23 years, and for the last nine years, I've been in full-time uh, pro-life work, and the ministry that I lead is a ministry called Project Life Voice. We are a pro-life uh, apologetics training ministry that equips pro-life ambassadors to speak confidently, intelligently, and to speak graciously to what I think is the defining moral issue of our day today, and that is legalization of abortion. And so what we're going to do at the workshop is we're going to um, we're going to help those in attendance to be able to make the case for life, uh, to do that in a way that's winsome, in a way that um, is, that they're confident in doing. Uh, you know, a lot of people have have rejected or are indifferent to the pro-life um, view simply because they've never really heard it presented in a compelling manner. And so these workshops are designed to equip pro-life ambassadors to communicate this message in a way um, that doesn't doesn't result in vitriol and angry dialogue, but in a way that is, is gracious, in a way that's confident. So we're going to focus on two primary questions at the workshop, and the first one is what are the pre-born and we're going to appeal to the science of human embryology to make the case that the unborn child is a distinct living and whole human being from day one, according to human embryologists. And then we're going to appeal to the second question, which is the moral philosophy question, which simply is what makes us valuable as human beings in the first place? And so what we're going to show there is that there's no moral difference between us as adults uh, and us as embryos that would justify killing us in that mm-hmm. earlier stage of development, but not now. So that's kind of what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. Mike, I'd like to uh, go off of what you just talked about. There's, it hasn't always been that way that you, know, you have these workshops now to teach people a better way to communicate and defend pro-life. Mm-hmm. How did that come about? How did it switch over? You mean for me personally? Uh, for you personally, but also in the whole pro-life movement uh, that oh, now... Okay. Yeah, you know, sure. Well, let me, yeah, let me just answer that in two, two ways, and I'll start with the personal. I, I was actually on the other side of the issue. Um, I uh, sort of in my late, late into my high school years, early into my adult years, I sort of defaulted to a kind of a cultural pro-choice view. I knew abortion was wrong, but like a lot of Americans, I saw it as a necessary evil. 
And um, I wasn't rabidly pro-choice. I, I don't remember ever debating it with anyone. But um, I came to faith in Christ in September of 1983. I was 21 at the time. And um, I started attending a church in the Detroit area where I grew up. And about eight or nine months into my newfound faith, I walked in on a Wednesday night, and I walked out an hour and a half later forever changed, because that night the pastor showed the film The Silent Scream. I'm sure many of your listeners uh, will remember that. It was kind of a groundbreaking film back in 1984 when it came out, and I saw with my own eyes for the first time what abortion did to little girls and boys, and I couldn't believe it. So I did go on to pastor churches for 23 years, but this burden just continued to grow in me. But to respond to the second part there, or to, to, to respond uh, in a second way to your question, you're right. Uh, for many years, um, you know, this kind of wasn't on the radar of, of, of churches. And in, and in fact, it really still isn't in many cases. But more and more churches are waking up to their moral duty to the unborn. And um, that has presented all kinds of opportunities for pro-life ministries like ours to go into churches, to partner with ministries, to partner with pregnancy centers like the Dakota Hope Clinic, and, and to equip pro-life ambassadors, um, again, to have these conversations, conversations in a way that's meaningful. But a lot has happened politically. A lot has happened morally, um, you know, in the church, in the, in the culture at large, that has really brought this um, renewed um, interest um, in the unborn uh, to the surface. And, and that's certainly been a good thing. Yes, uh, Doug, or excuse me, uh, thank you for that question, Doug. Okay. But uh, Mike, uh, you're calling us from Ohio uh, this morning, mm -hmm. and thanks for carving out some time to be with us this morning. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so you do, obviously, you do a lot of traveling around the nation, Doug, is that accurate? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's right. Um, we, we go anywhere somebody invites us. In fact, we've been overseas a couple of times, but most oh. of our work is here in the United States, and... Um, yeah, we, we go everywhere. We do a lot of work, like I said, with pregnancy centers like the Dakota Hope Clinic, a lot of churches. We speak in a lot of high schools, um, college campuses. Um, really, anywhere somebody invites us, we will go. Mm -hmm. And you're, well, thank you for coming to uh, North Dakota. And oh, I'm looking forward to it. And specifically to Minot, and you're coming on June 9th. And, That's right. Uh, so let's uh, uh, go ahead, Doug. Uh, Mike, I, you know, you indicated that you have some international um, trips that you've taken. What do you see the difference in regards to what's happening in the United States and internationally now with pro-life? Well, I'm not real well-traveled overseas. I've only gone out of the United, out of the United States for my work anyway a couple okay. of times. Once was to um, Eastern Europe, to Serbia. Um, and that was a great experience because I... I I spoke to a, a large group of pregnancy center directors uh, from uh, all over uh, that Eastern Europe that came for that event. And the one thing that, that really um, uh, stood out was the, the, the lack of support that those ministries have from their local churches. Um, it's, it's really not great here in the United States. Um, uh, many centers um, struggle to have uh, support from their churches. I know the Dakota Hope Clinic does have good support. But a lot of centers don't. But in, the, in, in some of these other countries, it's so much worse, um, where the pregnancy centers are actually seen as a threat to the church because the churches have been so apathetic um, with respect to their response to the unborn. And so this becomes kind of a, uh, they become kind of a conscience to some of these churches. So it's been, it's been very difficult for some of our overseas um, uh, friends in, in their ministry. But I, again, I'm probably not the best person to ask that question because I'm not real well-traveled um, okay. overseas. Well, let's bring it back to uh, your trip to Minot now. And mm -hmm. 
uh, your your presentation is called Life Defenders Workshop. Uh, mm -hmm. the, the, the Dakota Hope Clinic is hosting it in Minot. Uh, what will mm -hmm. those who attend learn, and how will it benefit them? Yeah, great, great question. Um, well, what again, what we're going to do is we're going to really help them in a real practical way to make the case for life. Mm -hmm. yeah, you know, for, for many years, I was passionately pro-life after seeing that film that I mentioned, Silent Scream. But I really didn't know how to have conversations uh, in a way that were meaningful. I, I, I knew abortion at that point was wrong. I was clearly on the right side of the issue, but I didn't know how to articulate it. And I think a lot of pro-lifers are in, in that same camp. They, they feel strongly about the issue, but they really don't know how to articulate a solid case. So that's what we're going to do. Good. We're going we're gonna to spend um, two hours, uh, and it's going to go really fast. Uh, no one's going to be bored. We're going to really help them answer those two primary questions. What are the preborn? and what makes humans valuable. And then based on how we answer those two questions, that kind of is laying the foundation. Then we'll get into specific challenges that the other side puts to us. Things like, well, I personally would never have an abortion, but I think women ought to have a right, or you're a man and you have, you have no right to speak to the issue, or you know, what about a situation where a young woman or a young girl is raped and becomes pregnant? You know, how do we answer these questions in a way that's compelling and a way that's compassionate? So that's the kind of thing that we'll focus on then. Mike, we often hear pro-lifers not really pro-life. They're only pro-birth and don't care about young mothers or their babies after they are born. How would you respond to this charge? Yeah, you know, that, that is um, unfortunately a very popular charge that's leveled against us as pro-lifers. And it's, I would say that it's um, a charge that we need to be careful with. And what I mean is this, that is kind of a red herring. And um, if pro-lifers are not careful when, they, when they're accused of that, when, when, we're, when we are accused of not caring for babies after they've been born or not caring for their young mothers, there's a tendency for us to get sort of defensive and spend the next 45 minutes defending the character of pro-lifers. Now, to be clear, I think we do need to do that. But I think what we need to, to help um, our opponents um, see when they bring that charge to us is that even if it were true, that pro-lifers really didn't care about babies after they were born, and if we really didn't care about their young mothers. Um, even if that were the case, it wouldn't be an argument for abortion. In other words, how would the alleged hypocrisy or callousness of the pro-life community towards babies after they're born and toward their mothers, how would that justify killing babies before they're born? So the first thing I encourage pro-life ambassadors to do is to, is to basically grant the premise and say, look, I, I don't agree with you, and I'm going to respond to that, but let's just assume you're right, that pro-lifers really don't care about babies and they don't care about uh, mothers. How is that an argument for abortion? So that's the first thing to point out. But then to respond to that actual charge uh, more directly, I think it's worth noting, and, and really I would just encourage your listeners to follow along here with me for just a minute. Just follow the money, and let's see who the real friend of women and babies on both sides, uh, both babies that are born and babies that are unborn. Let's see who the real friend of, of, of women and children are. Right now in the United States, there are about 700 abortion clinics, in the, uh, abortion clinics, and about 450 of those are surgical and about 250 of those are chemical abortion clinics, so about 700. The vast majority of those are owned and operated by men for financial profit off of young women who are in crisis and off of the blood of their children. And, of course, these, many of these abortionists are driving around in Lamborghinis and living in gated communities because abortion is big business. They're making an awful lot of money off of these young women. Conversely, there are in the United States today about 2,800 pregnancy centers like the Dakota Hope Clinic. 
And many of these centers have two, three, and four locations. So the actual number is 2,100, but when you bring in these other locations, the number comes up to about 2,800. So that's about four times the number of abortion clinics that we have. The other thing that's noteworthy here is that these centers are run, the vast majority of them anyway, are run by women, for women, at no cost to women. And you can contact the Dakota Hope Clinic and ask them where they keep their cash register, and I can tell you they don't have one. These centers are offering their services for free. And so you, you, you just follow the money and you can see who really cares about women and children. And, you know, the other thing I would add to that is that um, centers like these, like the Dakota Hope Clinic and, and others throughout the United States, are oftentimes run largely by volunteers or by paid staff who are, are, are getting very modest salaries for the work that they are doing. And so you can quickly see that the reality is, is that we are the ones who care deeply about mm. Um, babies born and unborn, and about their young mothers. And, you know, Planned Parenthood's um, ultrasounds are $200, $300. Um, these are free at, at clinics like, at centers like the Dakota Hope Clinic, as well as all the other things that they offer there. So, you know, it's one of these arguments that sounds really good. Um, you know, it's, it's easy to level that charge against pro-lifers, but you only have to peel the onion back a layer or two to see how, how faulty that really is, how wrong that really is. Yes, very good. Uh, thank you for sharing those statistics, uh, uh, yeah. Mike. Uh, we have to take a break now. Uh, we'll be back with uh, Mike Spencer, who is talking with us about pro-life. Thank you very much for joining us. We'll be right back. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. Honor your father by word and deed, that a blessing from him may come upon you. Sirach 3.8 Our priests guide us on the right path and teach us about our Catholic faith. At Real Presence Radio, we'd like to honor them for helping to deepen our relationship with Jesus. Each week on Real Presence Live, we honor our fathers with a dozen donuts generously donated by a local business. You can nominate your priest to receive special recognition by going to yourcatholicradiostation.com. And thank you to all our priests for your service to the Holy Catholic Church. God's blessings to all of you. My name is Father Chad Wilhelm, and I'm a priest of the Diocese of Fargo. And this year I celebrate 25 years of being a priest. And the joy, the great things that I love about the priesthood is the deep relationship that Jesus and I have as speaking heart to heart. He knows the depths of my heart, and He speaks to all of us in the depths of our heart. That's what I enjoy about being a priest, that I get to speak about Jesus, not just on Sundays, but every day of my life, and that I've given my life to Jesus and the Church. What a wonderful grace and a gift that has been for me for 25 years, and to serve the good people of the Diocese of Fargo, but just to serve the Church as a whole. May God continue to bless all of you as you listen to Real Presence Radio. The Mustard Seed Catholic Store is South Dakota's place to purchase Catholic books, gifts, and decor. With locations in Rapid City and Sioux Falls, we are here to provide you with gifts for the Catholic occasions in your life. From baptism to First Communion, confirmation to weddings, and ordinations, we pride ourselves in having local artists share their creative talents, making rosaries, crucifixes, artwork, coffee, and books. We are located in Rapid City on Main Street, in the new Diocesan Building, or in Sioux Falls on Grange Avenue across from Costco. 
Well, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. We are uh, on the final 10 minutes, 12 minutes of the live show this morning. We thank you so much for joining us. And uh, on the phone with us this morning, by, by the way, my name is Mike Kidrowski. I'm welcome. here with Doug Jillick. We're broadcasting from Trinity High School in southwestern North Dakota, the Diocese of Bismarck. And on the phone from Ohio, we have Mike Spencer, who is uh, doing work across the nation, uh, even internationally, uh, on pro-life. And so, Mike, uh, thank you again for uh, carving out some time being with us the, this, uh, this morning. My pleasure. Thank you. Okay. Uh, well, Mike, uh, I know that uh, uh, I'd like to review the, the statistics that you just gave us. Uh, 700 abortion clinics in the nation. We have 2,800 pregnancy centers. And That's right. I, I think that is a, a tremendous statement on our mission to uh, our mission for life. And uh, let's see, as far as uh, uh, you coming to Minot, uh, that's going to be on June the 9th. And, that's right, uh, Wednesday. In, yes, and in this final uh, 10 minutes, uh, what, would, uh, what do you think the listeners need to hear from you, Mike? Well, I think that what we need to do in the body of Christ is recognize that, this, that the, the subject of legalized abortion is not just another issue. It really is the defining moral issue of the day. Now, that's not to suggest that we don't acknowledge that there are other really pressing and important issues. And I thank God for Christians who are at the forefront of fighting those things, like sex trafficking and homelessness and so forth. And I'm not minimizing those things at all. But the, the numbers alone speak for themselves. Well over 2,000 children die by legalized abortion every day in the United States. And many of their young parents will live with a lifetime of regret and guilt over that. And so responding to legalized abortion for the body of Christ is a gospel issue. It's a loving your neighbor as yourself issue. And so I think it's, it's vitally important for us to know how to speak to this issue in a way that is compelling and gracious. And so those who, again, who come to the workshop in the evening are going to get that training. I'm also going to be addressing pastors at the pastor's luncheon, which is going to be at noon at St. Mark's Lutheran Church. Um, again, this is for pastors, elders, deacons, and their spouses. Um, and that church is located at 2209 4th Avenue North, Northwest. And at that luncheon, I'm going to help pastors see their response, their, their pastoral response, not as a burden, um, but more as an opportunity. And again, as a gospel opportunity. And so I'll be sharing their four practical um, duties, responsibilities that the pastor has in an abortion culture. And I'll be helping pastors kind of work through or think through some of the objections that we often encounter in the church, that this is a political issue and it should be left out of the pulpit, or, you know, you're a man and you have no right to speak to the issue, these kinds of things. So I'll be helping pastors work through some of that. Yes, and uh, the, the couple things you mentioned there, uh, abortion is, uh, so how, how, how would you respond to that, those that argue abortion is a political issue and off-limits for the church? Mm-hmm. Well, I think there's no doubt that abortion is a political issue. That seems obvious enough. But the, the better way to describe abortion is not primarily as a political issue, but as a moral, spiritual issue that has been politicized. And when you think about it, every moral issue is eventually politicized, whether we're talking about um, war or slavery or even in recent years the redefining of marriage. And simply because a moral issue is um, politicized cannot render it off-limits for the pulpit or for the church. 
And so more could be said, but the bottom line is, is that this is first and foremost a moral, spiritual issue, and pastors have a duty to speak. Mm-hmm. And then the other issue you mentioned, uh, uh, you know, often, you know, sometimes, oftentimes, uh, you hear, well, you're a man. You're a man. Right. You're, you, yeah. You know, what do you know about uh, this issue? How, how, what right do you have to speak on this issue? Uh, could you kind of uh, bring that home for us? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, at the end of the day, um, my arguments against abortion are good arguments or they're bad arguments, but it has absolutely nothing to do with my gender. And I think it's really disingenuous, and I might even point out to your audience that to discount nearly half the population from speaking to the defining moral issue of our day simply because you don't like their anatomy um, is called sexism, and I thought that was wrong. So um, I like to point that out to my my opponents. I do that graciously, but I, I like to point that out. You know, pro-life women um, who do the same kind of training that I do um, offer the same kind of arguments against abortion and in favor of the unborn that I do. And so at the end of the day, you have to contend with the arguments and not merely discount somebody because you don't like um, their gender. And in reality, what's really going on here is it's not really that they don't like my gender or your gender as men. What's really going on here is that they're just trying to stop the conversation. And how do I know that? I know that because they never tell pro-choice men that they need to be quiet. So I like what Francis Beckwith, um, uh, uh, Catholic pro-life uh, apologist Francis Beckwith said it well. He said, arguments don't have genders, people do. And so at the end of the day, you have to contend with my arguments, even if you don't like my gender. Indeed. And you, you keep uh, uh, referring to the defining issue of the day, Mike. Uh, that, mm-hmm. that, is, uh, that strikes me as, uh, you know, uh, I agree. I agree. It is the defining issue of the day. Uh, can, you, can you expand on that a little bit? Yeah, sure. Well, I, I, I would imagine that even for some, perhaps in your audience, maybe mm-hmm. they're hearing that. It sounds sort of like hyperbole on my part. You know, this is my hot-button issue, so naturally I'm going to say that, right? Well, I would just say this. If it's one thing to support something like abortion when you never have to see what abortion does to children, or it's one thing to not really care too much about the issue. Maybe you don't support it, but you don't care too much about it when you never have to see it. But in 1991, my wife Barb and I, we were living in Fort Wayne, Indiana at the time where I was pastoring. And we, through our involvement in the pro-life movement, held in our hands a little black baby girl who had been abort- aborted at about five, six months of um, gestation mm. and by a saline solution abortion, so her body was still perfectly intact. And we held her beautiful, precious but lifeless little body in our hands. And when you hold abortion in your hands, or the product of abortion, the end result of abortion in your hands, all of a sudden, uh, all of the um, sloganeering and all of the cliches from the other side, my body, my choice, don't like abortion, don't have one, every child will want a child, all of these slogans disintegrate under the weight of that child. So I think if we, if more Americans, and particularly in the church, if more Christians could see what abortion actually does to little girls and boys, I think it would it would easily convince them that abortion is the defining moral issue of the day. This really is our Goliath. This is our civil rights movement, and the body of Christ um, needs to respond uh, because the reality is is that our, the soul of the church is being amputated. It, you know, the, 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 our, our, our gospel witness is being damaged by so much silence. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, Mike, uh, we, uh, in a few seconds here, I have to turn it back to Eli to uh, uh, pre- preview the next show. We'll have a couple minutes at, mm-hmm. right at the tail end 
to uh, uh, close out the, uh, your segment. So I'll send it back to Eli at the Mother House of uh, 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 Real Presence Radio in Fargo, North Dakota. Take it away, Eli. Hey, thanks, Mike. Good show today. Got another good one coming up for you. Tomorrow morning, 9 to 11 a.m. Central, right here on the Real Presence Radio Network. That'll be hosted by Father Tim Smith, coming to you from Holy Cross Church in Ipswich, South Dakota. He'll start off the show with Father Brian Eckrich of the Diocese of Sioux Falls, talking about creating your Catholic library. Then Tim Henderson will talk to us about fishing for seminarians. Plus, Chris and Hannah Motes will give you some ideas on ways you can live the octave of Pentecost. All that and a whole lot more is coming up on the next Real Presence Live, 9 to 11 a.m. Central, right here on the Real Presence Radio Network. Or, of course, you can listen anytime at realpresenceradio.com. Right back to you. Yes, thank you very much, uh, Eli. And closing out with our interview with uh, Mike Spencer, uh, any f- uh, we have uh, about 30 seconds to a minute here. Go ahead, Mike. Uh, any final parting uh, uh, thoughts? Yeah, just um, if, uh, for, for those that are interested in attending the pastor's luncheon um, or the Life Defenders Workshop, uh, both on the same day there, the ninth, you can go to dakotahope.org to register. Uh, or you can call 701-852-4675. Again, the luncheon is at noon. It goes till 1.30, and the workshop in the evening is from 6.30 to 8.30. If they come early at 6 o'clock, they can join us for dinner, but they will need to register for that. Okay. Uh, our guest this half hour was, is uh, Mike Spencer and uh, uh, the, Defenders, the Life Defenders Workshop and Pastor's Luncheon coming up on June 9th in Minot, ladies and gentlemen. For more information, go to dakotahope.org. Thank you very much, Mike, for joining us, and uh, good luck uh, with your ministry. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Mike. And, uh, well, Mr. Doug Jillick, thank you very much for uh, uh, getting through and uh, joining us on your first uh, time as a co-host. This was excellent. Thank you very much. Well, thank you, Mike. It was very comfortable. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, folks, uh, thank you so much for joining us, uh, uh, Real Presence Live today. Uh, It is a beautiful day in southwestern North Dakota. I hope it's a beautiful day uh, at uh, your place. And uh, thank you for joining us. It's the better way to start your day. Beyond that, it's the best way to start your day. And I just wanted to remind everybody uh, that we do have the ordination coming up of Paul Gardner, Logan Obergewich, and Benjamin Warner today at 2 p.m. Mountain Time, 3 p.m. Central Time at the Diocese of Bismarck at the Cathedral of the Holy Spirit. So on behalf of Doug Jillick, my co-host, uh, my name is Mike Kidrowski. Thank you very much for joining us uh, this morning. And uh, be, be careful, be safe, and God bless. This has been Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Real Presence Live brings you inspirational stories of faith and a look at the good and holy things happening in our local area. Weekday mornings from 9 to 11 Central. Tune in for an encore of each show beginning Saturday morning at 6. Get the podcast any time of day or night at yourcatholicradiostation.com or on the Real Presence Radio app. And remember, you can be a part of the conversation through Facebook and Twitter. Real Presence Live, local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network.